Welcome to GDAGA. I'm delighted to be coming to you this afternoon from Sean O'Leary's office here in St Kilda Road. Hello, Shawnee. Hello, lads, and welcome to the to the office. Thanks for having us at lunchtime, and welcome along, John. How's it going, lads? Thanks for thanks for making it in, lads, on, on this lunchtime episode. Um, we might just start off by um, reading out some of the tweets we've got, and also a lot of people have got in contact with us following the, the last episode. So, uh, first up, I'm going to give a big shout out to Joe Heavey in Paris. Um, massive listener of the podcast and he, he said to me that he likens his anticipation of a new episode of the pod he compares it to waiting for a new episode of Game of Thrones that's how much he looks forward <laughs> to, the, to the episodes each week so that's a I think that's a really good uh, that's a, that's endorsement a, is it? That's, a, that's, a, that's the highest compliment we could be paid at this stage I think <laughs> so I don't think we've got the Game of Thrones activity going on here <laughs> no no so well, thanks very much for getting in touch Joe uh, also a big shout out to John and Rachel Breta and the birth of their beautiful baby boy JJ um, so if he's half to her his father was, he'd be onto a good thing there. Um, Sean, you've also got an email. We did, yeah. We got an email from uh, William C. He said, Good show, but seriously, your man giving the doves the fans on the hill stick needs a hurley up his hole. Louds and Connolly, same build, same hair colour and number. From 100 metres on the hill, uh, from 100 metres on the hill with five cans of cider and three giants on you, sure anyone could make that mistake. <laughs> What's the thoughts on that one, Giggles? I think he answered his own question there, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of happy Dublin fans reaching out to us after that one. You know, we have to respect all our listeners, you know, they're not all from Waterford, Cork and Kilkenny, you know. Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> so we we'll take that one on, on, on notice. Um, we've also got some tweets, so tweets in from, from Dixborough GA Club again, another week, another great podcast from Lenny KK down in Oz. Interesting discussion on what the lads think will happen in Croker on Sunday. Um, also Aidan O'Hara at Longshot Value excellent GA podcast for anyone with an interest in the All-Ireland this weekend um, Collins Connolly got in touch former Gary Owen Hurler and Loud Hurler um, really enjoying the show GA in Ireland the club scene and GA and Oz looking forward to the preview of the other 21s and the Camogie finals which is coming up in today's episode um, Tommy O'Neill in Abu Dhabi too hot outside so listen to G.A. GA for 80 minutes Verdict is in Ex- experts say Waterford to win hashtag loves me county boy <laughs> the two two out of three experts got it wrong. Well, there's one, right. one very happy man here beside us. What we, yeah. get, we, we get, won't we won't remind him any of that. Uh, I'm the only one that got it right on the podcast. <laughs> we we'll get we we'll get into that in a minute. Also, uh, Vesuvius clothing um, at Vesuvius Clo. Best of luck with the podcast, guys. From all of Vesuvius, hashtag Reacher Summit. Um, also, Roy Hartigan has been in touch. Good stuff, lads. Keep it up. Never thought I'd enjoy a water man like a Kenny man talk about football. <laughs> just joking so uh, whether he's just joking that he enjoyed it or that he actually would say enjoyed football talk yeah from the two of us hurt it all um, and also Kevin B which Kevin Bates great stuff lads really enjoyed um, the guest appearance too from Richie Foley hashtag Lenny on the wireless um, so thanks for all, all, all those tweets lads um, so like we said come up in today's show we're going to do the analysis of Watford and Galway and, and the minor game between Cork and Galway and also we got the preview of the under 21 and the Camogie final so so coming up first, we got the analysis of the Watford Club again. Mother of God, did anyone say it would be easy? Galway lead by three points. The 73-39 played on the clock. 
right now Stephen O'Keefe is a free for Waterford they need a goal back at his own 13 metre line he drives it up the field it's a long ball up the field Adrian Tui goes out there with Gleeson ball goes out over the line it's a line ball who's it the line ball for we await the decision of the linesman he's waiting to see it's a Galway line ball for plenty of Bonnoir a line ball for Galway we have played the four minutes 74-03 Bionjano is up in the big stream he'll be up in a lot more big streams with the help of God Joe Kelly goes back to take the line ball it's on the verge it's on the verge for Galway Joe Kelly with the line ball back outside his own 45 meter line it's all over Galway have won the McKinley back in 1923, Joe Connolly in 1980, Connor Hayes, the man to my left in 87 and 88 with the captains, but David Borkis won the captain Galway to the fifth All-Ireland crown. commentary there from, from Galway Bay FM I think it captures the emotion that we're seeing up in Galway in the last couple of days um, obviously John I, I know you're, you're, you're very disappointed but I suppose it was a gallant effort from Watford Yeah I, I, I think I'd like to acknowledge first of all congratulations to Galway they were the best team all year uh, they won the league they won Leinster and they won the All-Ireland um, phenomenal forward line phenomenal defensive line and brilliant midfield um, I, I don't think you, you, you could argue with the result on Sunday at all. They were they were definitely the best team. And I think just credit to Watford because they actually just hung in there for the whole game. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Um, yeah, Galway were just excellent on the day. Yeah, that's 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 a fairly honest um, um, summation of uh, of the day at hand. I'd say I reckon yeah, you're right in the fact that um, I think Galway hung in there. Or sorry, Watford hung in there throughout the whole game. I mean. Galway came out of the traps absolutely flying it and point after point. I think we had four points within the four, first four minutes. Yeah, that's great. Um, Waterford did get on a... I wouldn't say... The first goal was very well taken. It was, it was well, well made and everything. I mean, there was no doubt yeah. about that. The second goal was a bit opportunistic and a bit of a, 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 bit of a mix-up between the full-back and the, the keeper. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, like Galway's forward line really was, was just so powerful. Like, and I suppose... I mean, we went we went heart attack, heart went on about the fact about you know Gleeson and McInerney that was a massive matchup. Um, McInerney absolutely I suppose using the phrase that Tomas O'Shea uh, uses he hammered a hammer <laughs> and really like yeah. put Austin Gleeson back you know and uh, Austin Gleeson is a is a really young 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 player at this stage he's first All Ireland final he's 22 years of mm. age I think he's get he's copying a bit of flack about his mm. his attitude like and I mean look that's mentality that'll only make him a better player and we, we might get into that in a bit more detail at the moment but just like you said Johnny I think those first five minutes with the results four points in a <coughs> row I know we were watching it together and I was very worried in those first five minutes I was like okay please don't be 2008 all over again you know it just yeah. it just looked like Galway were on and looked like war for Ratsy but yeah. I think that goal was just crucial wasn't it at the start well, but I, I'd say one, one of the key points that Galway did in the match and I actually probably started getting worried on Saturday when I heard Johnny Glynn was starting I was thinking Jesus this big guy's in now and they're going to try something new uh, and I think the Galway forward set up at the start of the game really off put Waterford so they put Johnny Glynn in full forward which mm -hmm. meant Tyg de Burke actually had to stay even yep. deeper as a sweeper so basically 
they had two men marking Johnny Glynn and then the other five forwards were just marking them man on man actually as opposed to Watford kind of cohesive defensive unit so that was a win for Galway and then the other kind of um, matchup that they just changed up was they put Carl Mannion centre forward and Joe yeah. Kenny wing forward mm. and both those players got two points each in the first ten minutes yeah. and it was like Watford just kind of weren't ready for that um, and yeah as I said it was four points to nil or five points to nil after, after seven or eight minutes and then Watford got the goal I, I guess it was a classic Watford goal the half forward line win the ball um, the midfielders break through whether it's Jamie Barron or Kevin Moore and it was a well worked classic Watford the way they've been scoring goals all year and that really mm. settled Watford down mm. they got two points they got uh, I think it was six points to one two at that stage uh, and that's felt right Watford are settling into it now and the next score of the game, I think it was the seventh or eighth point, I kind of felt that summed up Galway and it was Conor Cooney's point over the shoulder, off, off the, the stick, yeah. awesome. yeah. without looking at the ball. And I thought, Jesus, are these lads yeah. going to miss it all today? And yeah. you know what? They rarely did miss yeah. all day. Yeah, and I think that was the big thing. I think, like you said, about that Watford hung in there. And even though Watford got ahead, I think it was in the 42nd minute, and even with those goals, Galway never looked troubled. You know what I mean? They never looked panicked. They didn't rush anything. They didn't change their approach. And they just stuck to the plan. You know what I mean? And I think we spoke about Aiden Hart was going to fall in as the sweeper. Um, and he did. For Galway, the four sweeper, as, as we call it. And just hearing an interview with him there, he was on off the ball there on, on Monday night. He spoke about that. They tried to eliminate any communication on the day. Mm. That they had worked through everything in training. And their plan that he was going to be sweeper. That if, this, if McInerney was looking for a ball, Austin Gleeson, he was just to leave it through. He wasn't to contest it and that Aiden Hart would be there. And that it just stopped the kind of talking to each other shouting to each other that they had it just so down pat they knew where everyone was going to be and they, that was quite evident on uh, on Sunday they, they were <clears> just so switched on even that point in the first half of David Burke he was all on his own with no one within 50 yards of him and he just kind of ghosted in yeah. they were just they were just switched on on Sunday and I think as well um, Brendan Cummins used on, on the Sunday game that word resilience um, and that was really I think struck a chord with me in terms of how even after the two goals they just didn't skip a beat it just, yeah. it just stuck to the plan. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, you could you could re- use re- resilience as a word on both sides because Waterford yeah, had a lot of resilience hanging in there. Like Galway probably had the mental baggage of, of losing all Ireland finals, which probably got them over the line. Yeah. Um, just going back on the, the you know the comparison of the two sweepers, you know you had um, like you had Johnny Glynn taking out really um, Tyke de Burke because he had to go back and watch him. Like and we kind of said it here last week that. Tyke de Burka would have to go and challenge their aerial battle up in the Galway forward line because they have such you know ball winners up there and that's actually what happened and he was dragged out of position there looking after Johnny Glynn and the space around him whereas Aidan Hart really didn't have that you know having that responsibility he could still float around and do the, the sweeping up mm-hmm. and, and uh, picking up ball but I, th- I think like resilience again you know like you have to give you have to give credit to Waterford in their resilience because they hung in there and hung in there even though they were all classed in, in probably most areas of the field. Like, yeah, I, I think one talking point was on the last podcast was the impact of the water for bench, and we spoke about you know we call them the finishers and why I, I think I got swept up in your analysis. Game, right? <laughs> I, I tipped um, Waterford as a yeah, result. You got sucked in. I got sucked in, but because we thought the impact that the water for bench would have, and <coughs> it was actually the Galway bench that had a massive impact with Niall Burke and with, with, with Jason Flynn. Like, you know, Niall Burke came on, he won two frees that were converted, he scored two points from play, and Jason Flynn scored two points as well. Now, I know Waterford's hands was, was forced in the first half, and Morris having to come on that bit earlier than, yeah. than they would have liked, but they just didn't have the same impact, I don't think, as, as previous days. Even though Tommy Ryan still did well, he got a point, 
But and I, I, I'd say, I'd say that there was probably two things that Galway did that Watford would have been expected to do better and one was play the sweeper system we just talked about there Aidan Hart played perfectly between the full back and the centre back and yeah the use of the bench so they started Johnny Glynn they realised that Johnny Glynn mightn't have the scoring impact coming on but he might have the physicality and Niall Burke I'll be honest I think we all discredited Niall Burke last week when we thought that we said he was the bit player or he's, we said that he wasn't the guy getting the scores and he'd be the kind of lesser of the forwards he ultimately nearly won them the All-Ireland they, yeah. won, they, they, they won the All-Ireland by three points and he was hand in four of the points directly yeah. so um, Tommy Ryan as I said and, and Brian O'Halloran and Morris played quite well as well did do well but they contributed two points mm-hmm. whereas the boys contributed six points and yeah. That that was a, a major difference in the end. I think I think actually when when Morris did come on, I I suppose a bit of criticism the Warford side is that they actually didn't play Morris very well at all. You know when he did come on and like didn't use their strength when they had him. Um, but other than that, I mean, like look, they did what they had to do and yeah. or did what they could do in the circumstances because they were they, as I said they were getting probably outbattled in most areas yeah. in the field and then you had the likes of. Um, uh, the midfielder who was sick, um, Jamie Barron. Jamie Barron, like he, he that was a bit, that was a big talking point. That's probably not, it hasn't been brought up too much in the media to date. I think yeah. that's he was that's still, a big he was, factor. He was still up for man of the match though. Show you know, how good he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah a fantastic <laughs> game. Well, he had to go off. Yeah. With, what was it ten minutes to go? He was withdrawn. Was it ten? Yeah. The, the energy levels were probably pretty low at that stage, yeah. so he he probably had to go off. And whatever he had in the tank, he absolutely left everything out mm-hmm. there. I mean. Himself and Dahi Burke were, or David Burke were, were challenging or running up and down the field after each other all day. Yeah, that and we we singled out that midfield battle as a, as a key one. I, I think God probably did just shade it on on the day. I don't think Kevin Moore yeah. had the impact that he's had in not in the second half. Yeah. First half he was yeah. good. Yeah, not just what he's had previously. But just back to Galway, I suppose Galway have been in obviously in Ireland in twenty twelve and twenty fifteen, and they had been in positions where hand and heart. I've been at both of those Ireland should have been Kilkenny in 2012 and it should have been Kilkenny in 2015 they're three points up looked like to be coasting um, but I think it was they got rocked then when those when that surge came on but like I said I think the Michael Donoghue effect um, has been massive on this Galway panel uh, on an interview that with Joe Canning did on off the ball with Oshin Rang in there as well I heard him say talk about what's the difference between Michael Donoghue maybe and Anthony Cunningham and he, he said that Kilkenny just empowered the players a bit more that he's given them that bit more responsibility where previously in those pressure situations, they might start looking towards the line, who's coming on, what do we need to yeah. do? But the responsibility was on the Galway lads to stand up and deliver, and I think they did that in spades on Sunday. And they did, and they did that, they did that in like uh, empowerment of the players. I mean, that's exactly what happened on the field. It was it was the leaders, it was Joe Canning. Like, Joe Canning had a fantastic game. He had, yeah. I think, he had nine points he scored in overall in the day, he, and he scored freeze at very, very crucial times. When, when Warford were getting that bit of, you know, a bit of light again, he closed the door on him again and with a free, you know. Um, but I think that's I think that's massive in, in any successful team that you have leaders on the field. I mean, Lachnan always says it um, about about Galway. He's been saying it for years about Galway. That that you did have, have leaders on yeah. the pitch, like yeah. fellas who like <laughs> go to that, you know, when when the furnace is that hot, like you know, there's guys in there who know how to calm the situation mm-hmm. and, and know what to do and where to put the ball in those situations. And he just seems like a very unassuming figure, Michael Dunhill. Like he's in he's just kinda of there in the background really. He's not this, you know, loud and upfront manager. He, like and I, I think there was that beautiful photograph we saw as well with him and his dad getting off the bus with the Lee McCarthy yeah. as well. And it just kinda of showed the emotion involved for Godwin. Obviously it would have been the same in Warford if it kinda of went went down there with how much it meant to to both counties. But I suppose it's what 
obviously Galway are, are in a good space now, like you said, they're probably were the farm team all year, they won nearly every competition um, they were in. But I suppose on Twitter too for Waterford, and we got a tweet in here from Parik Neary at Dirty Miss Neary. Uh, Does conceding 26 points after playing an ultra-defensive system to the detriment of your attack not look completely bonkers? Waterford were in the game, but only just. Always looked like Galway had control. Defensive system held Waterford back, in my opinion. Thoughts? Well, that's interesting because I, I, I disagree with that guy, Parik. Um, I think Galway have averaged 30 points a game. Right in every single game, they got 21 against Tip, which was their lowest scoring game, and it was a very shaky game where a lot of a lot of forwards hit wides. And I go back, you talk about resilience, you talk about all these things. I go back and use the word accuracy. If you look at the Galway forwards, nine of their players scored. David Burke got four points from play. Joe Canning got two points from play in the sideline plus six frees. You've got uh, Connor Cooney, Niall Burke, Jason Flynn, Mannion got two points each, and then Joe Cooney got three points and. What's his name? Conor Whelan got a point. John, Johnny Cohen. You can name nearly, nearly yeah. the whole Galway yeah. team and they're scoring yeah. points there. So, ultra defensive system, yes. I, that Watford do play that. But again, the Johnny Glynn factor took away, um, mm. what's his name? Tyg de Burke. Yeah. If you see all the Tyg de Burke's clearances in the second half, he's nearly on the, the end line. Yeah, he's under pressure hitting him too. He's Whereas, the majority of the time you associate Tyg de Burke breaking through the half back mm. line and delivering mm. the ball yeah. into the lads. So, I, I, I disagree with the ultra defensive system. I think. Watford weren't, weren't as good as a team as Galway. That's the bottom yeah. line. Galway were the best team. I think they were also rocked. Shane Bennett got injured early. Yeah. He got a ball at one stage and went to take off and Gerald McInerney could keep up with him easily now. And that wouldn't happen if both players were fully fit. Mm. Um, I think the, the Conor Gleeson issue, and I'm not making excuses for Watford, but these are all just small factors. And yeah. then Gerald McInerney, to me, he just took Austin Gleeson out of the game. And we said last week that we reckon Austin Gleeson would have to score 144, 16 for Watford to win and he didn't score from play. Mm. So... They, they were the key factors. I don't think it had anything to do with the ultra-defensive system, to be honest. But talking to Richie Foley, on, and we had him on the podcast last week, he spoke about the concern with playing that system that Watford would play is that will you get enough scores? So me and Sean here watching the match, I think with 15 minutes to go, I said to Sean, 26 points here in a minute. Yeah, and, right. and ultimately, God, we, yeah. they get 26. Yeah. But like 217, in our final, you need to be getting 25, 26 points to yeah. win an Ireland final. Just if you look back at the results over the last oh, number of no, years. Yeah, but and, I, I, think like, I think, like, I'm not having a go at the sweeper system here at all or the yeah. defensive system. I know Warford had a, you know, had a couple of whys that could have been converted, etc., etc. but they probably don't make as not much chances playing that system. You know what I mean? And, and then if you're not making as much chances, it's harder to score. I'm not but, having a go at the sweeper. Yeah. But you look, at, you look yeah. at both teams, right? Both teams were playing a sweeper system. Both teams were playing some sort of a, a same, similar system, okay? One team scored more than the other. But right? Galway that's forwards have more people but this inside the, the 45 that's, than... That's no, that's exactly your point. And, yeah. and that's the, that would be my point, is like the quality of Galway forwards as opposed to the quality of Warford forwards is, is your biggest contrast. And that's where I think... Yeah. Like, I think Warford are fine. They're, mm. like they got to an honour in final with playing this system. And... But it, is it, it enough to win it, though? That's it, the thing, no, I suppose. Look, you know what yeah, I mean? They've, just, they've won every game before that, so... I, I reckon I reckon their system is fine. They just need they need to find another one or two forwards up front. That's what they need. And then like the guy Tom Devine, he left this year for for America. Massive loss. Massive he was loss. a huge loss. Yeah, I mean like he, he's a big roasting up in He's a big powerful forward. Okay, so like mm. they're the guys you need. A big powerful forward will run at defenses. Like so, you've got the brick Walsh. He's played seventy consecutive uh, championships appearances at the moment. Like and he. He was he was under wraps by uh, Bambury a lot. I thought. Yeah, John Hanbury. And I, I thought John Hanbury would. Was it Bambury? Sorry, Hanbury. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought Hanbury would would have struggled on him. In fairness, yeah. he did a great job yeah. on him. I mean, Brick Walsh was still influential, but every time Brick Walsh had the ball, 
Henbury would stand off him and then just dive in at the last minute just to get a flick in or whatever. But um, oh no, I don't. I I think but I think Waterford played as good as they can play. I don't think I don't think Waterford's best on Sunday, but with the players that they had, would have beaten would have beaten Galway. Well, I suppose that's where to next for Waterford. Yeah. So obviously they have that's the squad they have at the moment. Is it the if Derek McGrath obviously said he's going to take four weeks to have a think about? It. I reckon he will stay on. He should stay on. I hope so. Yeah. But do they need to evolve again, Giggins? Well, it's interesting. I, I was doing a bit of analysis on where to for both teams next, yeah. right? And if you look at the core of both teams that were playing, the majority of their players came from their minor teams in 2009, right? So Watford played Galway in 2009 at Ireland semi-final, and Galway won that by four or five points. Won it comfortably enough. You had Dahi Burke, Joe Cooney, David Glynn and Niall Burke, Shane Maloney, all on the Galway side. And on the Watford side, you had Stephen O'Keefe, you had Park and Philip Mahoney, you had Dara Fies, Jake Dillon, Brian O'Halloran. So a lot of those players were the kind of core on, on both sides now, excluding maybe the Galway because you got the Joe Cannings and these guys. So looking forward a couple of years and, and like I guess to the successful underage teams in Waterford you got the 2003 crop who won the minor and the 2016 crop who won the 3-1 won, yeah. they both bet Galway in the final as opposed to mm-hmm. 2009 mm-hmm. Galway bet Waterford so I do think this is a very young Waterford team outside of Kevin a, a, and Brick, Brick yeah. um, I think I hope Derek McGrath stays on I do I think I think Waterford might go back next year which possibly could bring it forward the following year if he doesn't stay around because I think the players really like this, the, the kind of environment and the system mm-hmm. that Derek plays. Um, I do think you'll have Patrick Curran who will be 22 next year, Stephen Bennett will be 23, Austin Gleeson will be 20, they'll all be a year older, yeah. they'll have this experience under mm-hmm. their exactly. belt. Yeah. They'll be similar to Galway probably in 2012 mm-hmm. when Galway were very young. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think both teams, like we said about Tipperary last year they'll go on and dominate for three years Galway have the potential to do that but again they've got a lot of guys on the wrong side of 26 mm-hmm. 28, 29 so and they're going to go back playing actually in Division 1B next year which right? is a joke so, uh, so it's like their first couple of games could be against Leash Offaly and, mm-hmm. and Kerry the All-Ireland Champions in the I league I think that suited them this year and then they go into the quarterfinals regardless like they're going to be in the yeah. quarterfinals of the league no matter what while Division 1 they are going to be slogging it out. I'd say with the celebrations yeah. that's going on up in Galway, <laughs> I'd say going playing a few, a few Division One B games yeah, might suit them as well. I'd say. Yeah. So, so I think I think I think Watford have the ability to kick on, and I think Galway actually have the ability to mm. dominate for a few years if they keep this core yeah. group engaged. Yeah, I think it's a good point about the the age profile of Watford. I think the experience of playing their other final and not get blown away like what happened in two thousand eight, like that probably set back that team. I know some of them towards the end of their career, but like that was so damaging. But to be winning a goal. Like there's there's hope to go back again, you yeah, know what I mean. Yeah. But I think you know, you, I think a lot of players. I think Austin Gleeson is one player who we all admire his talent and we know what he's capable of. But in terms of, I think his his game management on the day, in terms of his attitude, I know he he got through for free there once he turned around and drilled it back at the ref after he blew him up and he thought he should have given the advantage. He took that mm. free at the end where, so, like you'd want him in around the edge of the square yeah. at that moment when you're searching for a goal and he drove it wide when he was at his own forty five. You know, just little things like that have big impacts on our finals. It's just making those decision making. I know that'll come with experience. And, and that's it. I mean and there's there's been incidents all year. I mean you go back to the cork issue with the helmet and you know things like that. You know and, but they're they're common traits with a young player and like who is a bit green like and oh, you know totally. fellas no. get on their nerves. Fella, like he's player of the year last year and on you know young player of the year last year. He's going to be target. Fellas are probably saying stuff to him out there as well and they're probably poking the bear as well. No. And there's no so doubt he's held, but I think that's one side. He would, like, if he, if yeah. he kind of I think matures a little bit, he could of be just he a fantastic asset for. He has he's like he's he's got scope to, to mature and become a like and he is going to become one of the you know the top drawer names. Yeah. He already is obviously, but he's. 
Like he's going to set the place on fire in the next couple of years. He, like, he's very so. similar to Joe Canning seven years ago. Yeah, it's yeah. probably the best way to describe him. Do you know, he's won all the underage traits. He's his best player in his club. He's the best player in his county. The expectations on him are huge. I think I actually said, "Jesus, I'm hoping Aston will get about one eight in the All Ireland final." You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That's the that's yeah. the, and that's he, he has the ability to do it. Yeah. But again, any one player can be shut down, and I think. When you've got six Galway forwards who are all capable of winning the game, it's easier for them all to play individually. Yeah. Whereas you probably have one or two in Watford, and they all just focus on on, on Gleason. Mm. Stop Gleason. Mm. You stop Watford. And you know what the funny thing what that was we spoke about? I think that um, McInerney actually followed Gleason down the field. I oh, did, yeah. You yeah. know, and we to be yeah. said, oh, there's no way he, he won't do Correct. that. If Austin yeah. Gleason starts one, he he followed him, and but, like, yeah. and that really even had a, an effect on him. I say he wasn't expecting that. But Galway had the perfect plan for that as well, and you see it in the analysis they did in the Sunday game. Johnny Cohn, Johnny Cohn yeah. straight into centre back, yeah. and he was looking around. There's too yeah, much yeah. space, so they had Johnny Cohn free because Austin was gone back. Aidan Hart free, so it, it it just played into Watford's hands actually, oh, and yeah. Watford or Galway's hands, excuse me, and Watford never really moved Austin from centre yeah. forward. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever reason, um, yeah. and obviously, look, look, it was. I think look, we can all say it was a very enjoyable final as a neutral. Not so much for you, Eagles, obviously. Uh, I, but like, as in, as in, you're disappointed. Yeah. But it was a, it was we, a good game. We very enjoyed good game. it, and yeah. the fact that up until the last minute, you're thinking Watford could have got a goal. Yeah, like you never thought it was gone. Yeah. Which is even for a, as a Watford supporter on the day, I'm sure you had hope right up until that yeah. last minute. I think I think I'd hope around 48 or 49 minutes when we're a point up and Kevin Moore got that ball yeah, in know. front of the goal and he would have tapped it over and like I don't I, you don't go back to turning points right because I don't think there was a turning point in this game. I think Galway kind of always had the momentum, but yeah. that was two points up and Galway went straight down and got a point out of it. And Dara Fies came up about three minutes later and it's a long range yeah. point right, but he he usually um he usually nails those. And th- that was two points, and we lost mm. the game by three points. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So you're, you're clutching the straws. It's little things, yeah. though. It's just those, those small little things mm. make, so, make such yeah. a big difference. But look, hard luck to Waterford. It was a fantastic game. And look, we, we're, it's great to see Waterford and Galway in our final. I think everyone enjoyed it. Any hurling fan would have enjoyed seeing those two teams. And even Joe Canning in his interview said the one team he actually didn't want to beat this year or be in the final was, was with Waterford because yeah. they've been through a similar thing as a them. Cou- a couple of the Galway lads had listened to interviews as well on yeah. the GA or they were saying the same. Johnny Cohen said it, or not Johnny Cohen, Johnny Glynn said it mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, that they, they didn't want to be coming up against Waterford. Water, like, because for that reason. For that reason. About yeah. That, yeah. But just back in the point there about, you know, dominating, isn't it so hard to predict, you know, as we said, like, as they were say, everybody was saying last year about Tipperary, like this Tipperary team, you know, have gotten over the line and they should dominate the yeah, next few years. Like, but like, and they said the same in twenty ten and they didn't do it either. Yeah, and you go back yeah. to, like you go back now to to the start of the championship or the league in next year. Like you've got you got Warford, you got Galway, you got Cork, you got Tip back there again. Yeah, Kikini are back in the K- pack. Kikini are back in the pack. Limerick and two one final exactly. Yeah, no, so like yeah. Claire, it's great for Hurling. Hurling's in a good spot. Yeah. Clare need to get things going again. Wexford, Wexford are going to be at that year, yeah. that year, you know. Yeah, no, bit it's more wiser again. I think we might we might do that in another episode. We'll just do maybe an overall review of, of the hurling year. But just on Sunday as well, obviously we had the minor game, which was another fantastic result for Galway and another fantastic game of hurling. Mm. And obviously we had another canning, Jack, and he did untold. Like yeah. he was sensational, and he was such a handful for Kenny in the semi final. And the same again in the final. Like Cork really struggled him. after yeah. after Cork having such a blistering start with Brian Turbin getting that goal in, in, in the first minute. Shawnee, you he were did, yeah. It was it was yeah, like Jack Henning, I mean, she's what can you say? His two goals were taken brilliantly. I mean, they were obviously the changing of the match. But I mean, look, Cork Miners they had their chances. I I don't yeah. think I don't think you can be They're up at too, six points at one You can stage. be disappointed about it, mm-hmm. but you can't really you know, they were about the last ten minutes they started like last eight minutes they started going for goals. 
which was ridiculous because like, they were only they were only down four or five points at that stage well, well I think I think actually the Galway minor team this year their semi-final and their final took the exact same shape they weren't great in the first half they no. were down by a couple mm-hmm. of scores I would have thought Kilkenny would have went on and won that minor game in the semi-final I would have thought Cork would have went on but they've got a lethal foot forward line. They started the Mannion guy foot forward in this time, and he's got pace to burn, and mm-hmm. he actually set up, I think, both goals. They've got a number 13, his name escapes me now, but the yellow helmet, he's lethal. He got about four points from play. Mm-hmm. And then, as you said, they've got Jack Canning. The two finishes, Class. off the left, yeah. bullets. Yeah. Like, yeah. Absolutely, the, you see the onion sack absolutely yeah. opening out. They were, they, yeah. were, they were fantastic But do you know what I think about that Galway team, again, it's similar to the senior team, the size of those guys. Like for minors, like you know, you look at the car guys, and even when they play to make a Kenny, the Kenny lads are like your typical normal 17, 18 year olds, a bit, little bit, bit narrow to have them filled yeah, out. But look at Jack Kenny there, he could, you could reckon you could just see him walking onto a senior field and not looking out of place in terms of physique. But sure, that was the same with Joe yeah. when he was in the minor scene, he walked straight into a senior. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah look, it's it's sorry, it's disappointing from a car point of view, yeah. and but at the same that, like him, the amount of guys there. Well, a lot of those guys will be minor again mm. next year. And right? the ones that are 17. So exactly. So, so the last time Cork won the minor was 2001. And we had a, our own club mate here, um, Fergus Murphy from Gary Owen, was yeah. actually on that team. Mm. So a long time ago. It's a, it's a bit of a drought <laughs> there. I don't all right in the Cork minoring. And we actually got a tweet now. I'm going to ask you your opinion on this because I know you think you know this road. I'm going to ask you for your view on that, Sean, here, right? So I got a t- tweet in here from Brian O'Leary. Cork Turk goal should not have been disallowed, though. So like, Kenny Ref had not got to do with it, right? But he'd. Disclaimer as a square ball. Now, Giggles, what's your interpretation of the square ball rule? So I think the, the, the square ball rule has been changed over and back in the last couple of yeah. years. So as what do you think I it is as it is now? So as far as I know, in the past, it was when the ball was being struck, the player couldn't be in the square, and then he could yeah. go in after the ball was yeah. struck. But I think now it is is the player can't be in the square until the ball arrives in over the line. Yep. Shawnee, what do you think it is? Square ball rule? I'm, I'm with John on that one, yeah. Yeah, correct, yeah. So it had been changed, I yeah. think, that... You were allowed, as soon as the ball was struck, you could be in the square. Mm-hmm. But with the rule now, 4.10, I just got it up because it, it was a lot of talk yeah. about this, even on the Sunday game after, is that for an attacking player to enter the opponent's small rectangle before the ball enters it during play, that's a technical foul. It is, yeah. So if you look at the Jack Canning one back, obviously they have the benefit of the ultra-slow motion on, on the Sunday <coughs> game. Um, he wasn't in the square before the ball. But I think it was, was it Brian Turbill for that one? No, it was not. It was not. But yeah, he was definitely in the square. Yeah, the I, I, I actually, I actually thought at the time I was with Brian O'Leary in that one. I thought it was actually, I thought it was actually should have been a genuine goal. But yeah. Yeah, looking back in the rule afterwards, yeah, because I looked it up myself. I was like, <laughs> before I go on the podcast talking about this. So. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it, it's an interesting one because there is a lot of different perceptions out there on what that rule is. But look again, a really strong second half performance by Galway, and I think worthy winners on the day. And to do it a double, um, I don't think it's been done since Kenny did it in two thousand and three. Did the when the minor and the senior in, in two thousand two yeah. and two thousand three. That was the start of the four in a row. It, <laughs> no, it wasn't. Was it two thousand two, two thousand three? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Well, they lost. No, it. they lost. Yeah. To the team, they lost in the final. Yeah, <laughs> great yeah. stuff for Waterford. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, interesting times for Galway. Okay, so look, coming up next, we have the preview of the other twenty-one on our final and the boys. Yo, the ball hands out the far side to Henry Shefflin. Henry has a look. Henry puts it out. There's the insurance fight. Mrs. McGinnis. Kick that one out. Kick the bones out of that one, Mrs. McGinnis. Cusack is not still in now. Supposed to be about baby. Get rid of your vibe and stop acting crazy.
Okay, coming up next, we have the, the preview of Kilkenny and Limerick in the under 21 hour final, which is on this Saturday night in Turles, Saturday afternoon rather. Um, it should be a, a cracking game. Um, Giggles, you'll be looking at the Limerick team. Yeah, I have. And, and the Limerick team, so I think this this is um, this is the replay of the minor final from 2014, um, of which Kilkenny won. Surprisingly, that day, Limerick were red hot favourites. And I think Limerick could be favourites again just looking at their team on paper. They've got Sean Finn at cornerback who played cornerback for the seniors. They've got Ronan Lynch and Kyle Hayes in the half-back line. Ronan Lynch is their wing-back for the seniors. Kyle Hayes plays full forward. And then they've kind of got this devastating forward line. They've got Aaron Gillan, Keane Lynch, Tom Morrissey, Barry Nash, all in the forward. Peter Casey, five of the starting six mm -hmm. seniors team, yeah. all in the forward line. But you look then at the Kilkenny side and they've got less players, but they've got, they've got Lahey at Heaven Day, they've got Clear, they've got Blanchfield, yeah. they've got some good players. Yeah. And I just feel, at an overall, before we go into any detail on it, I think Eddie Brennan was hurt pretty badly when Kilkenny were beaten by Westmead last year. Yeah. And just looking at him on the Sunday game, there was a few lads giving him a few jibes about the time one coming up and he'll have to do it again. He didn't even react. Yeah. I, I kind of get the feeling that this Limerick All-Star team are set up for a really kind of pitfall and I think actually I, I, I'll tip before we get into it but I, I think Kenny will actually win it yeah. based, on, based on that, that based on Eddie Brennan is kind of is a shrewd manager I think he's looking to kind of build his, his reputation in it I think he's got lots of experience he knows mm -hmm. what it takes he has some really strong players now like Blanchfield and Lee are two great forwards as well mm -hmm. they've got clear at centre back they've got some really good players um, mm -hmm. and I'm wondering will Limerick freeze on the day yeah I think it's an interesting point about Eddie Brennan because he's actually not even playing with his club at the moment even though he's still he hasn't retired from Club Hurling because he's just purely focused on the under-21 gig. I think he was very hard after that defeat to Westmead last year. Um, but like you said, from Kilkenny point of view, obviously they've got Blanchfield, Richie Lahey and Jason Clear on the on the senior panel. And Richie Lahey actually came on against Watford in that game that Watford won. And he scored a point. The equaliser. Yeah, the equaliser, yeah. So he's a massive player for Kilkenny into the future. And also Luke Scallon from the James Stevens club is another serious hurler that's probably going to make make his way onto, onto the Kilkenny senior panel. But Liam Blanchfield is an interesting one because I think he had that massive debut last year. He played against Watford in the replay. I think he scored three points on play and ended up starting in, in the All-Ireland final. Um, but had probably a really poor year for Kilkenny in the league and didn't get any real action in the championship for Kilkenny this year. So, And, and the same with, with, um, with Jason Clear. He played centre-back for all the league games and then didn't really get a sniff in come championship. So there's a lot of lads on the edge here for, for, for Kilkenny and we actually have on my own uh, Aidan Nolan on the bench but I think it is a strong Kenny team and they're probably he Eddie Brennan dropped three lads for that semi-final against Derry which was interesting even though Kenny won by 50 odd points I think he was sending a message that okay we're playing Derry here lads but I don't care I'm putting out my best my best 15 I think that was telling in the result that the guys who came on still put the foot to the floor and people are saying oh they should have just kept going for points but those boys want to play on Sunday so uh, yeah and then there's an element of rootlessness I, I wouldn't read too much into the under 21s not playing with the seniors because in Kilkenny traditionally that would be the way like mm. the, the, the under 21s don't get in even TJ Reid and Richie Hogan didn't get into the senior team until they were 22 and 23 and while they don't have the depth in the senior that they had it just seems to be Brian Cody's way unless you're big enough you won't be put in there mm. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be really, it's the last of the under twenty one All Ireland finals. Yeah. Next year it's going to be replaced with the under twenties. Yeah. So it's a kind of a big carrot there for whoever wins that this cup will be left with that captain for forevermore. I suppose. And, and Kilkenny are actually are going for their twelfth crown in this, and the Kilkenny I think it's Cork are both on eleven. So if wow. Kilkenny were to win, it would be a nice one to get to twelve. But they haven't won it since two thousand and eight. That was the last time they won under twenty one. And I, just, I had a look at the team uh, from two thousand and eight. So how many would you reckon from the Kilkenny under twenty one two thousand eight team went on to win? 
a senior All Ireland with Kilkenny from that day. I'll give you a few names in a second, but if you're the, was the that one, number. Was that the one Jackie Turner was? No, was no, that one no, no, no. Paul Murphy probably was. Paul Murphy, Paul Murphy yeah. era. I'd say about how seven. many would you say? I'd say seven. Seven, you're saying, Johnny. Eight. Thirteen. Now, yeah, Richie and Richie Hogan and TJ were on the field of play. So that 2018 consisted of Paul Murphy, Kieran Joyce, Owen O'Shea, Lester Ryan, Paddy Hogan, Colin Feli, John Mulhall, TJ Reid, Matt Chirou, Richie Hogan, John Joe Farrell, and Mark Bergen. So nearly all of them have gone on to play. All big game. names as well. All big names and yeah. established names. So that 2018, like, and some of them were actually playing senior before they were, as well as under 21. So it'd be great to see some of these guys come through uh, for Kilkenny because I think we need some of those under 21s to come through for senior next year. So I'm going to tip Kenny as well. Shawnee, who are you going for? Um, I'm going to go for... I seem to be Limerick and Galway game. I think I'm going to go for Limerick. Shawnee was right last week. Hopefully he's wrong. <laughs> Hopefully he's wrong next week. But yeah, we're looking forward to that. And I think the, the B-All-Ireland is on before that. But it's, we're coming to the end of the hurling season. So that should be a good game. And it's live on TG Carr. And we have it on GA Go here as well. And it's on a decent time tonight. So I'm looking forward to that one. All right, well, up next we have the, the preview of the Camogie final between Cork and Kilkenny. Kenny up on Sunday Shawnee I know you, you've taken a keen interest in this one you've been following the Cork Camogie players all year they're baying for revenge after Kenny win the last year who do you think will take the O'Duffy Cup home on Sunday? Yeah that's right I've been I've been keeping a bit of an eye on them this year um, they were Kilkenny stopped them last year doing the three in a row so they'll be they'll be all out this year to, uh, to avenge that defeat and get back on track again um, they have a very experienced team they've got Aoife Murray Rena Buckley um, Jim O'Connor, who's actually a doubt at this stage. I think they're uh, reading a few interviews there on Ora Cotter. She's saying that they're actually planning without Jim O'Connor at this stage. She's she's um, probably one of the mainstays in the in the Cork team at the moment. Uh, so she'll be a massive loss if she doesn't uh, get up for that. Interesting. I, I used to work with Eva Murray down in Clem Smith's Bar in Limerick when I was in the University of Limerick. She's a she's a great crack of a girl, but she's a serious goalie as well. She she's Open takes the penalties, buries them in the goal, yeah. but um, yeah, she's a great crack as well. And then you have Ashton Thompson midfield, and you have um, I suppose their main their main forward and scoring threat is uh, is from uh, Orla Cotter. She's she's really been the bring the life soul of the team, and she's and involved in nearly everything everything good that they do. So where's where's Orla Cotter from, Shawnee? She's from St Catharines. Ballynor. Ballynor. Yeah, we have a, a club mate of ours, uh, Patrick O'Neill from That's St Catharines right. Club. We'll have a keen interest on Sunday. And I know her sister or her or her um, her brother very well, uh, Shane Cotter. Yeah, look, I think yeah, Cork are, are, are really up after last year, but I think Kenny have the majority of their team from last year, and I think the transition from Anne Dalton has gone back from midfield to centre back. I think she. Had a great game um, in the semi-final against Dublin, where Dublin really put it up to him in the in the first half, and Dublin were actually managed by David Herty, the former Kilkenny hurler, uh, and they put in a, a really good display. I think the, the big concern, I think it was was it for Cork only scored a few points in the three points, I think in the second half against Galway. I think uh, it, yeah, they yeah, won two really, nine to one nine. Yeah. in the overall score was yeah, they yeah. really they really struggled in the second half, whereas Kilkenny kind of really upped it in the second half. So, but really I, I think I think I think the Camogie though in general has gone from strength to strength, like. <laughs> 
on an overall kind of camogie base. Like you had Wexford probably dominating there a couple of years ago, and Galway were challenging, and Galway won the Ireland, and then all of a sudden, then the two kind of old powers have taken over again. Kilkenny and Cork, Cork won two in a row. <coughs> Kilkenny won it last year after a 21 year or 22 year gap. Um, it's very interesting, actually. Both camogie teams seem to play a sweeper as well, so they mm -hmm. are playing that defensive mode. Like yeah. Anne Dalton has gone back to centre back. She does play the sweeper role very, very well, and then they've got three real hot shots up front, like they have Denise Gall who kind of gets onto and, and wins a lot of ball. And she pops it out then to Katie Power and Sherry, Shelley Farrell, who have kind of paced to burn serious accuracy. Yeah, and kinda, serious they tend to put up massive scores then, Shelley and, Shelley and Katie. So that that being said, then there, there's always this thing, you, you see it a lot in the Camogie games, the team who wins the All-Ireland is expected against the team who's hurt, who lost it the year before, nearly always rows reversing. Mm -hmm. Doing two or three in a row is very hard. Probably Wexford are the last team to do it. So. Um, even though Gemma O'Connor is probably missing, she will be missing by, by all accounts. They'll put Thompson, Katie Thompson, back at centre back. They still have some serious. Ashton Thompson, sorry. They still have some serious forwards. And um, I, I think this one will go down to the wire. Um, I'm going to give a double, a double, a double Kilkenny this time. I just think that they do have, like, between Denise Gall, Shelley Farrell, and Katie, Katie Power, if, if, if two, or three of those, two of the three of those click, that they'll probably win it. Um, and probably Cork are probably building. Uh, and losing a few players over the last two years, Breach Corkery and, and obviously Jim O'Connor as well. Johnny? Yeah, um, I'm obviously going to go with Cork. I think they'll have injured uh, the last from last year. Um, based on, I suppose, the names of Ora Cotter, Ashley Thompson, and then you'll be Emer Sullivan in the back line as well, who, uh, and Rena Buckley, who are very experienced, and I think yeah, I think they'll shore up the defence enough yeah. to keep Kilkenny out for the day. Yeah, I think the Cork defence has been very strong. I think Kilkenny are very strong in defence as well, but I'm going to go... I'm going to go for Kilkenny. I think they have some good subs to bring on. I think Jenny Kiffer came on the last. They did very well. I think they might have a bit more impact off the bench. So, going for Kilkenny win. Hopefully, you're right, Kiggles and Kilkenny do the double over the weekend <laughs> and we have some silverware in, in the cabinet. And it'd be great to see Cork have none in the, in the cabinet this year. It'd make it all the more enjoyable. <laughs> we have Munster Senior Hurling. Does that count now? Are you counting count for Fisher Championship these days? It's a trophy, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah, yeah. Sure, for play. You and me seem to be ganging up on Shawnee, but Shawnee seems to be getting them right. So, okay, we're looking forward to that one. Um, and we, there's one man who will be there on Sunday. We know and he was there last Sunday as well, is, is Buff Egan. Um, and I know we got a tweet in here from, from Donny Reagan at the VR05. At GDAGA, I feel you need to address the topic of Buff's meltdown on Sunday evening in this week's pod. Is this all for show or is it genuine? So I'm not sure... I know Giggas, you were in the casino until the early hours of Sunday morning in Brisbane, drowning your sorrows. I was, yeah. Um, I don't know if you got to see the snapshots from Buff after that, or did you get to see him? Uh, I didn't see him all, but I saw the video on Facebook of what he kind of said, and I suppose if I was celebrating or, or, or kind of disappointed and I see Buff Egan, the natural thing to do is run over and get a picture with him to try and get into his story, and I presume he's probably got about 60 or 70,000 people trying to do that to him, anyone who sees him, and mm. he probably just felt maybe I don't a bit think that was. The, that, I don't think that was... The issue wasn't he, he's okay no. with Joseph. He's that like, he got a lot of abuse on Sunday, but, but abuse particularly particularly on on Sunday though. But abuse from people who wouldn't take a photo with him, or he wouldn't take a photo with them. So yeah. if you have so many people coming over taking a photo, and you're going to have to decline some of it yeah. to enjoy the day yourself. But I think, but I think he gets it regardless of photos. I think people are coming up to me. He says are just like shouting at him and abusing him in the street as he's walking up to the games. Well, look, the morning of the final, he got he got, he was saying he got abused by some some player in Dublin. <laughs> I would say it was probably. A, no, no, he actually said some, I'd say some sort of a wine up, I can give him a bit of abuse yeah. on the street of Dublin. But like, look, I, I, I think, I think, 
I think that's a, a bit unfair. Like I think well, he's, he's asking the question. Like, yeah, no, but Donny I, was just saying, is it is I, it for sure? It, it's or genuine? not, and it's not. It's not like you can if you if you watch his snaps enough, he's as genuine as you get. But he, he did say in the snaps that he does put on the the, the theatrics of. Well, yeah, but that's which not, is fine. No, I'm just saying. No, no, that's yeah. the theatric. He knows, and, and he's uh, there. There you go again. He's genuine. He's telling you straight out, and yeah, the people yeah. are following his snaps. He's this is he d- puts them on for sure, yeah. just for a bit of theatre, like. Yeah. But. Um, he doesn't. It's not. It's he looked not, visibly upset on Sunday night. He off. was very upset. I was, I, I really I'm very concerned. Yeah, I really I mean, felt for him because at the end of the year, right? and I know he, I know, I know your argument, John. He puts himself out there to get you know, but like, geez, he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't, doesn't deserve it. No, no, no. That's he deserves it. Like, and in fairness, like, maybe he doesn't need to grow a bit of thick skin too. Like, but I, know, I, I don't but know. There's I, only so much that you can I think take. I really feel for him because he's kind of on his own doing it. It's not as if like you know, three of us are here doing the podcast. You know. I know I've had got a bit of feedback on the podcast. One or two people saying, "Oh, who do you think? Yeah, are you making it out yourself out to be this and that." And like, it's like, yeah, it's just like we're we're just doing this for a bit of fun. Like, you know, it's not as if we're yeah. professionals or professional broadcasters. And the same with Buff. It's like he's kind of going. He go, he's been doing this before he got big. He hasn't changed what he's doing no. since he's got big. He's just staying the same. And I kind of feel from a little bit. I w- didn't like seeing him being that upset. And I think it was genuine. I don't know. Danny's asking the question there, but look. I feel for him, and I think people should give him a break. And obviously, he saw him, he went up to the homecoming in Galway, mm. which was great. But then he made the point saying, I'm not staying around now for tonight because cause I can't go into nightclub yeah, now. He gets lambasted. He gets lambasted. Imagine yeah. that saying, like, he can't, like, he's, like he would, I reckon, see if you disagree with me, he's a well more well-known face in Galway than most of the Galway hurlers because of the way, the way our helmets play in the game. So Joe Canning is a standout. I bet there's not too many who would be able to identify, yeah, I, re- I reckon, David Bark yeah. or, you know... Maybe Jason Finn, you know, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean, though. Yeah, like, that's a fair point. Like, it, I suppose like, he's gotten a profile now as well, and he, yeah. he, it's just, it's probably hard for him to deal with because he's, he probably didn't expect this onslaught of, of, no. of um. But where he is now, and do, do you think it will continue, or do you think he should stop for himself? I think it's, it's just interesting to see is he making a livelihood out of it or not. Do you know what I mean? So he's got hundred, two hundred thousand Facebook followers. Like, is that enough in this day and age to kind of make a living? I'm not sure what the model yeah. he's working on. So I, I don't think he. But that's the thing. I don't think he. I think it's but a he, bi- it's a byproduct now of what. It's just yeah. He he's you know, doing it because he loves the game. He yeah. loves going to all these hurling matches and, and watching hurling. I mean. The only thing that could be done is I don't know maybe the GA step in and actually like he's, he, yeah he's an ambassador for the GA and he actually mm-hmm. you know they give him I don't know a membership card that gets him into any GA match around the yeah. country like because yeah. he at the end of the day he's promoting the game what they stand for yeah. So, totally yeah totally you know that's the only reimbursement he can get really yeah. Yeah, I think all we can say is look to, to anyone who's listening to the GA daily poor old Buffalo yeah, he's doing a great job yeah definitely <laughs> alright look I think that brings a a close proceedings for today. Thanks very much for tuning in. Shawnee, thanks for having us here down your lovely boardroom. No problem. You're very welcome. We got no just, cakes. Just to let you know, <laughs> okay. we, we got a boardroom, which is a big, massive table and a screen. And Liam decides to pick the smallest table in the room and go into the little corner to yeah, have this podcast. That's for, for acoustics, you'd be glad of it in the end. And just also to thank Shawnee. Shawnee brought his lunch to the meeting. He's up in the microwave and not for myself and giggles after coming all the way down from the city. So, thank, Giggles doesn't much. need a feed yeah. after the weekend. Yeah. So if you want to get in touch with us, it's at G-A-G-E-A on Twitter and Instagram and also G-A-G-E-A at gmail.com. You can get us on SoundCloud and you can all, Shawnee's just getting his lunch there again. That was the bang of the desk. And, and, and you can also get us on iTunes on the podcast store. So thanks very much for tuning in and we'll be back with you next week with the review of Dunn 21 and the Kamogi Finals are previewing the football fight.